everyone, thank you for joining me here today at Why the Book Wins, where I compare books with their movie adaptations. My name is Laura, and today I'm talking about the movie The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2, which was released in 2008, and this sequel is based on like the following three books in the series. So we have the second Summer of the Sisterhood, Girls in Pants, and Forever Blue, all by Anne Brasher, is released in 2003, 2005, and 2007. So I did a book first movie for the first book and movie, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, and that one, the movie is based just on that first book. Whereas, yeah, with this movie, they combined aspects of the three following books and just blended them all together in one movie. And then Anne Brasher's actually wrote a fifth book as well, uh, like The Sisterhood Everlasting or something like that, which I will be reading. I have not yet as of recording this video, but I'm going to read that book as well. And then this month on Patreon, I'm going to do a Patreon video just giving my thoughts on the whole series as a whole, saying which I liked best and just kind of giving plot overviews of these books, which I really enjoyed reading. I'm so glad I've I read these and they are so fitting for summertime because obviously they all take place over summer. So I would definitely recommend them. And if you want to hear my thoughts on the series as a whole, including that fifth book, then go ahead and become a patron member. It would mean so, so much to me. It helps the channel financially and you also get bonus monthly content and you also take part in bi-monthly book first movie polls. So yeah, as far as the books review section, I liked these books a lot. They range from like three to four stars for me, I would say. I don't think any of them were like five star books. Maybe the first one I liked the most, but these following four, these following three, books I still really liked and they kind of reminded me of Anne of Green Gables in some ways because we see, see these young women growing up and their friendships and their romance and the life lessons they learn along the way and there's lots of sections where it's just like wow like that's such a great message for both young girls who read this and young boys as well as for adults such as myself. And on to the movie review. So I didn't like this movie quite as much as the first one, but it was impressive how they were able to fit so many details from three different books into one two hour long movie. And of course the main cast is amazing. I do think still they were perfectly cast. Uh, but if I'm being honest, I'm probably the least impressed with Alexis Bledel in this movie in particular. I just wasn't always feeling her performance. I think she still looks the part of Lena, but, and she wasn't bad. But I'm just saying, out of the four, if I had to pick a least favorite, it would probably be her. But yeah, if you have seen the first movie and you liked it, then you should definitely watch the second one. And in 2025, it will have been 20 years since the first movie came out. So I would love for them to do another movie where they all get together now that they're in their 30s and just where, you know, what the sisterhood is doing now. I think that would be so awesome. Yes, it would be cheesy and probably cliche and it wouldn't be like high quality cinema, but I don't care. I want them to do a reunion movie. I would definitely go see it and I would be so excited. So, so please, I hope they make it happen. They probably won't. I haven't read anything about that, but it would still be so cool. And yeah, from here on out, I'm going to be getting into the details of the plot. So there will be spoilers for both the books and the movie. So in my last book first movie, I went through this girl by girl. So I'm just gonna do that again, beginning with Lena. So beginning with Lena in the books. So in the second book, Lena and Kostas are now doing the long distance relationship thing. But throughout the second book, she starts to feel like her feelings for him start to kind of diminish over time because she's not around him. And so she ends up writing him a letter, breaking things off. However, he ends up showing up in America. And when she sees him face to face, she realizes like, man, I made a mistake. I still want to be with him. So 
So they begin dating again and things are going great while he's in America. However, partway through, he has to rush off and leave to Greece again. And so once he's in Greece, he writes her a letter being like, I love you, Lena, and I always will, but I can't be with you. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I can't tell you why, but we just can't be together. And so Lena is very heartbroken and it's so annoying like that he doesn't explain to her why he's just like, please forgive me. I can't tell you, but we just can't be together. That was just so annoying. And it made me really dislike Costas. Like, okay, like, well, forget you, man. If you don't have the respect for Alina to tell her and be honest with her, you're just going to be like, I can't tell you. Just forgive me. Ugh, that made me really dislike Costas. So I was just like, man, Lena, forget him. You can find someone better. <laughs> but anyway, Lena's very heartbroken and she ends up going to Greece because her grandfather dies. And while there, she sees that Costas is engaged to another woman because this woman, he'd had sex with her when he and Lena were broken up and she is now pregnant. And so Costas is going to marry her and that is why he couldn't be with Lena anymore. And this whole experience, you know, is just very difficult for Lena. And then moving on to the last book in the series, Lena is in an art class and she sees this other art student named Leo and he has really great work and the two of them become friends and he's also very attractive. One day they're talking about how like he wishes he could still work on the weekends when they don't have class. He wishes he could still be drawing but he doesn't have like a model to paint. And so they decide to start modeling for each other. So they take turns being nude, not nude models, for the other and they also end up start dating and like falling for each other but it is interesting and I thought the book did a good job talking about this how like she's happy with Leo and Leo's happy with her but with Leo it definitely is like he is her muse and he has this like artistic obsession with her in a way and so even though she ends up losing her virginity to him she does feel like there's something that's like almost off about the relationship and it's just not the same as it had been with Costas but while she's with Leo Costas shows up in America and he's like hey Hey, turns out that lady wasn't pregnant. She lied and now I'm back and I want to be with you. And it's been like two years. And Lena is like, uh, like, what do you expect from me? Did you think I was just sitting around here waiting for you? Like I've moved on, leave me alone. Which at this moment I was like, yes, Lena, you tell him. <laughs> anyway, so Costas leaves. And then by the end of the book, they all end up going to Greece, which we'll get into. But while in Greece, in the book, she just happens to run into Costas and he kind of tells his side of the story and what all happened. And then it ends with him telling her basically like someday it'll be us and someday we'll be together. But it's just, you know, it wasn't the right time when I went to America. It's not the right time now, but someday. And so I like, I thought this was a fitting end because she doesn't end up getting with Costas and she just decides to, and at this point she's not really with Leo anymore either, I don't think. And so she's not with Leo or Costas, even though it's kind of implied that in the future she will be with Costas. But to move on to the movie. So the movie begins with us finding out that she had broken up with Costas and how he ended up marrying someone else who got pregnant. And so that's how it starts. And then she goes to art school and it is her first time doing a figure drawing class. And this guy is like flirting with her. And then she finds out that that guy, Leo, is the male model for the class. And she's very embarrassed. But then she and Leo end up, you know, hanging out and dating and they become an item. And in the movie, it's very different because Leo is the male model. And so she's painting him, but he's not painting her, which is how it was in the book, right? And so in the movie, it seems like they do just, like his artistic ways are a little cliche, cliche in the movie, but they do have like more of a legitimate relationship, I would say, in the movie. And she seems very happy with him. And same as in the book, Costa shows up being like, hey, I'm single now. But Lena is very, you know, she's very upset by seeing him. And she just tells him like, hey, I've moved on. 
and she leaves. And then at the end of the movie, they all go to Greece. However, in the movie, the friends find out about Kostas being single. And so they push her to go find him and to talk to him. And by the end of the movie, she and Kostas are together again. And they're like back in love and they're dating, which I did not like. And I thought that was a frustrating ending to the movie with her getting with Kostas instead. Because in the movie, she should have gotten with Leo. <laughs> like he was the better option for sure. So why did she dump him for Kostas? Like really? So that was, you know, some similarities between book and movie, but a different ending with those. And then moving on to Tibby. So in the fourth book and in the movie, Tibby's main storyline involves her and her boyfriend, Brian, Brian being intimate for the first time ever, but then it leads to Tibby thinking that she might be pregnant because something went wrong with the condom. And apparently like in the movie, she never heard of the morning after pill. Like just pop that and there you go, you'll be fine. But it's never even mentioned. Whereas in the book, I think Brian does mention it. Like he says something about like, I read about a pill you can take, but then Tibby doesn't take it. And I thought that was actually a good touch in the book because in the book, this whole thing comes about kind of because Tibby feels like she doesn't deserve happiness. And so she's like, man, like life is going so good. Like this seems wrong. Like something bad must happen soon. And then soon after that is when she finds finds out she might be pregnant potentially. And so she's like, I knew it. I knew something bad would happen. And so it makes sense that she wouldn't even be open to the idea of the morning after pill because she is almost feeling like she deserves this punishment and something bad because her life had been going too good, you know? And so she just kind of self-sabotages her happiness in a way. But anyway, so in book and movie, this is very stressful for her. And rather than being open and talking about it with Brian, she kind of shuts him off and ends up breaking up with him. And even when she finds out that she's not pregnant, she gets her period, she still doesn't want to be with him. And then Lena's sister Effie starts dating Brian and Tibby acts like she's fine with it, but she's not. And she's very jealous. And then like there's an event happening back at her hometown. So she goes back and this is when she opens up to Brian and tells him that she does want to be with him and she still loves him and they get back together again. And then we also have in the movie, there's a part where Tibby has to help Carmen's mom because Carmen's mom is having a baby, but her husband and Carmen aren't there. So Tibby is there helping Carmen's mom give birth. And this, actually happened in the third book in the series, but they have the movie moved it to be part of this storyline as well. And I thought they did do a good job at working this scene into this movie. And then we have Bridget or B as she is also known by. Uh, and this storyline mixes the events of book two and book four, but leaves out book three. Cause in book three, she meets Eric again at a soccer camp and the two of them begin dating. So in book four, she and Eric are together. Whereas Eric is not part of the movie at all. But in book two, she finds letters that her mom's mom had written to her, but that the dad was keeping from her. And so she finds them and she's like, hey, my grandma's been writing them and you've been keeping it from me. And so in book two, she decides to go to where her grandma lives and she pretends to be someone else. But through this, she ends up bonding with her grandma and, you know, bonding, getting to know herself too in the process, you know. And then in the fourth book, she's dating Eric and Eric is doing a summer soccer camp. So she decides to do like this archaeological dig in Turkey. And while she is there, she meets this guy who's like 30 years old and she starts to fall for him and the thought of Eric like it's just so distant and she has a hard time thinking about him and instead she's just focused on the here and now and here and now is this guy named Peter who she thinks is really cute and so she's flirting with him uh, and the guy is flirting back and is very interested which remember Bridget is like 18 she's not even 19 she's 18 and this guy is 30 
So barely legal guy, like that's gross. Uh, anyway, so they do end up kissing and then the guy like wants to go further and so does she, but they both talk themselves out of it and they go to their separate cabins. And then the next day, the guy's wife and children show up and Bridget is just like, oh my gosh, like I feel so guilty. Like seeing, like she knew he was married, but then actually seeing the wife, she just feels so terrible for flirting with him and for not caring. And so this is a growing experience for her and an eye-opening experience because she realizes like part of her wanted to sabotage his happy family because she she isn't from a happy family and she had just been with her dad and her brother and she felt so disconnected from them and she was jealous that these kids are in a happy family so she kind of wanted to mess it up and she realizes that about herself uh, and the book reads now she wondered did the fact that peter had a family dampen her interest in him or did it inflame it? How chilling that her most destructive impulses should mask themselves as romance. And then when she and Peter, they end up talking before the end of this dig is over. Uh, and as they talk, she can see how like for him, like he didn't learn anything from this experience and he's just going to continue being the way he is, which could lead him to being unfaithful to his wife, obviously. And the book reads, as she said goodbye to Peter, she suddenly felt sad for him. He would do the same thing again at some other place with some other misguided girl. He was already looking forward shaking off the past, a, a past that now included her. She made a vow to herself not to do that. And so I thought this book did a good job because as she's flirting with him, it's almost like, ooh, it's fun and flirty and he's an older man and he's married, but that's okay. But that's because B is just so young and naive. But after this whole experience, like she's growing from this and she's gonna move forward and learn from this. But she sees this creepy older guy who clearly is not gonna learn from it and he's gonna take advantage of future misguided girls like the way he tried to take advantage of B. Uh, and then in the book at the end, she goes back to her home and she makes an effort to bond with her dad and her brother. As she bonds with them, Eric also shows up again and she just realizes her love for Eric. And so I thought this was a really good storyline in the book where like connecting with her brother and her dad and then again, just realizing the important things in life and putting that effort in, in her home life. Whereas in the movie, this is different because in the movie, it starts out with her going on the dig and there is no older man. Instead, it's just this woman mentor who she bonds with. And when digging, they're digging up the body of this woman who died when she was like 30, in her 30s. And it was the same age B's mom had been when she died. And so digging up this woman's skeleton makes B think of her own mother. And she decides she wants to feel that connection to her past and so she goes to visit her grandma because earlier in the movie she found the letters and so she goes to visit her grandma but in the movie the grandma she's not in disguise whereas in the book she was in disguise when she does this but anyway so she goes connects with her grandma which in turn helps her feel connected to herself and her mom and in the end she goes back to see her dad there is no brother in the movie she goes back to see her dad and she you know is able to bond and become closer with him as well in the process and then moving on to Carmen. So in book and movie, Carmen is doing this summer theater program and she is a backstage person, but her friend Julia, who is an actress, invites her to come along. And at this point in Carmen's life, she is very low confidence and she feels like, oh, she's so lucky that Julia is her friend because Julia is like so much better than Carmen. So Carmen like needs to work to be worthy of Julia's friendship. And basically in both, Carmen ends up auditioning for this play as does Julia. And then Carmen ends up getting the bigger role. And so Julia is very jealous. And then in the book specifically, so also in the book, Carmen auditions because this woman who is like the casting director, she asks Carmen like, hey, you should audition. And Carmen voluntarily is like, you know what? I will audition. And she goes up there and does a great audition. And then she's cast. And then once she's cast and she's happy, Julia is very cold and gives her the silent treatment. 
And then they're doing a Shakespeare play. And after a few weeks, Julia suddenly is like, you know what? I'm going to help you because like with the meter in Shakespeare, like you need to say the lines in a certain rhythm to go with the meter. And so she starts like kind of complicating it for Carmen. And so Carmen ends up being too much in her own head. And so in rehearsals, she's doing it poorly because she's trying to focus too much on the rhythm and things. And so the casting director is like, man, like what's wrong? Like she's like getting worse as time goes on. And Julia, when Carmen is sad about this, Julia, suddenly is happier and Carmen is like what the heck like what kind of friend is upset when I'm happy and happy when I'm upset like that's a bad friend and not a friend at all and so instead she forgets what Julia has been telling her and she goes back to read the script to just acquaint herself with just the heart of the story and the character she's playing and then she's finally able to get back to doing great performances and then she has like an amazing opening night Whereas in the movie, so she auditions and gets the part and and there's this other guy, which in the movie she auditions because this guy Ian like forces her to audition and she gives a terrible audition. Like why would the guy have cast her after that? Like it doesn't make any sense, but he does cast her. And as she rehearses with Ian, she starts to fall for him and she opens up and like realizes her love for this play and this character and she has great, uh, great rehearsals. And then one day Julia says how she's going on a date with Ian and she's like, yeah, I didn't even know he liked me but apparently he does and so Carmen is very upset that Ian is now dating Julia. She also has drama going on with her friends and so this and the stuff with Julia and Ian causes her rehearsals to get really bad and once again the director is like man like what's going on and she also overhears Julia talking to the director being like you know yeah she's just not very good I guess and you know whatever whatever talking crap about Carmen essentially and so Carmen realizes that one Julia lied and Ian actually did not ask her out. Julia like persistently was asking Ian out so he finally went but that they're not a thing and then stuff is kind of resolved with her own family because her mom was giving birth but then Tibby helps out and she just has this realization that Julia is not a good friend and so she ends up getting back to the heart of the play and her confidence and so then again she has an amazing opening night and in the movie I did like that when Carmen is struggling she's saying this line in rehearsal like something about like oh the fates and she clearly is like not into it and is doing horribly but then when she's doing well and it's like filled with love and happiness and confidence we see her say that same line again on opening night and just seeing like how she performs it when she's doing well like it was a great moment I loved how the movie did that we saw her give the line poorly then we saw her deliver the line when she was amazing and I thought that was really well done but yeah as far as this one goes I preferred the story in the move in the book because in the movie it was focusing more on like oh her romance with Ian and Julia got to Carmen through the romance aspect which I thought was dumb and I liked it better in the book how Julia tried to mess up Carmen's rhythm with telling her like oh you know she got too complicated with the script and so Carmen had to get back to just the basics you know and so the fact that the movie relied on like oh jealousy with this new guy I just wasn't really a fan of it but then we need to talk about going to Greece because in both book and movie at the end they go to Greece because Effie Lena's sister is mad that Brian dumped her for Tibby and she's just mad at Lena because she's like Lena you always choose your friends over me so she steals the pants and goes to Greece and then she loses the pants so Lena and the friends are like okay we're going to Greece and we're gonna find the pants and so they go to Greece stuff with Costas happens but then they never do find the pants but they realize in book and movie they're like you know what at the beginning the pants helped us stay connected when we were apart 
But as the years went on, like during this year at college, they were like, because we had the pants, we prioritized each other less. And we've seen each other less because we're like, well, we have the pants. That's how we stay connected. So something that at one point was a positive thing, they had turned into a negative and they started relying on it too much in a bad way. And they ended up being bad friends to each other because they were like, oh, I don't need to actually see them. I'll just give her the pants next. And that's how we stay connected. So they realized that the pants wanted to be lost because they had served their purpose and now it was time to move on, you know? And that was the same message in both book and movie. And so when I did Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, the first book and movie, I liked the movie better, actually. Whereas here, the book definitely wins. I like Lena's storyline better in the book, even though she ends things with Leo in both book and movie. In the movie, she and Leo were a better match and she should not have gotten back with Costas. <laughs> Whereas in the book, at least she doesn't officially get back with Costas, right? Like it's implied, but it doesn't officially happen. And then I liked uh, B's storyline in both book and movie. I liked it, to be honest, but I think I liked the book a bit more. And then Tibby, her storyline was probably pretty equal for me. I guess maybe I liked it a bit more in the book, but for the most part, they pre stayed pretty close. And then Carmen, I definitely liked her story better in the book as well, but I still liked it in the movie too. And ultimately, I would still recommend the movie. I did like it quite a bit, even if I didn't like it as much as the first. I still thought it was a good adaptation and I would recommend it. But ultimately, I will say that the book wins when it comes to this final chapter in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. So let me know what you think of this episode. Let me know if you have read these books and which one was your favorite in the series. Don't forget to become a patron so you can hear my video where I talk about all five of the Sisterhood books. And if you have not yet watched my video for the first Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, you definitely should. I will link to it. And also you should definitely check out my Out of Green Gables video because like I said, I feel like there were aspects of the Sisterhood books that definitely reminded me of Anne of Green Gables, which I love so, so much. So yeah, check out those videos if you have not already and uh, I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, you can email me at whythebookwins at gmail.com. You can also message me on Instagram, which is all one word, whythebookwins. Or you can comment on the YouTube video for this episode if you have thoughts about this specific book and movie. And my YouTube name is, you guessed it, Why the Book Wins. <laughs> And I love interacting with my audience and I'm always replying to my comments and my messages and emails and I love hearing from you guys. So it would mean a lot for me to hear the input that you have. I really appreciate it and I appreciate you listening. And once again, I hope you like this episode and join me next week for the latest installment of Why the Book Wins.